And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. Donna Dort. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dunk. This is Lee Dort, and I'm Donna Dort. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Crackling Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Monday, it's my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Hey, Valentine's Day. Um, but we are talking basketball. Not, yeah. Nothing related with love or anything. We're just looking at the brute nature of numbers and traits. That is. We love, we love numbers and we love basketball. That's true. I mean, this is true. Uh, so... I wanted to kind of look at some some numbers around the Thunder today, uh, talk about team building stuff, what the Thunder can do moving forward, some possibilities. Uh, but first, let's talk about uh, Aaron Wiggins, who signed a contract with the Thunder, four years, $6.4 million, with a team option on the fourth year. He's also going to earn a million dollars this season, which is great for him. Uh, mm -hmm. thoughts on Wiggins and uh, his role with the team moving forward? Well, I like the fact that uh, he has at least another year guaranteed. Um, I think the second one is fully guaranteed. The third yeah. one is non-guaranteed. And the last one is a team option, if I'm not mistaken. So it's a little bit more than compared to what um, I think moves like Brown uh, got last year. Yeah. So slightly different. Um, it's like an actual I think commitment. Because remember when he signed it, Alex like read it perfectly. They ended up trading yeah. him anyways, but it was like barely a commitment to him. You know? Yeah, it's basically, I remember he phrased it like, they gave themselves the possibility to, to have a contract with him next year or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Which... Which no, with Wiggins, with Wiggins is um, at least a two-year deal, and then maybe more. I mean, to me, uh, he deserved that. Uh, he's playing well. He's playing within himself. He's working very hard defensively, and he shows some stuff on offense. Uh, I mean, last game he had a few moments where even the commentator on the other uh, of the other team they basically said, "Wow." That's a move from Wiggins. He had like two dribble penetration with defensive finish. I mean, he's he's an athletic guy, six six. You you want to sign those those guys to at least a tryout contract. I mean, next year the books of OKC are not clean. No. But for that number, I mean, sure. I mean, he he plays a position of need. Yeah. Uh, if he somehow ends the season on a high note, and 
either he's in your plans or he's a nice like sweetener to put in a trade so i i really think that uh, it's proper value for wiggins and he deserves a shot and i really like what he brings uh to the team yeah it's i mean from the thunder's perspective it's low risk with potential reward there for them Mm -hmm. if he's a rotation player in two seasons when there'll be a more competitive team then wow like what a value yeah and if he doesn't work out you give him a shot to play two seasons and you wave him in the third you know yeah or you trade him with the other team like just taking the opportunity to to try him out yeah like say that next season for some reason he doesn't work here uh, at the deadline, hey, you can swing him to another team. Uh, they have full control over his future. Yeah. And so they would probably be willing to take him on and just try him out for three months, two months, whatever, and and, and then face the decision of guarantee his contract or not in the summer. So these contracts are just like for the player. I mean, it's a million this year and a million and, and change next year. Yeah. I know that there is uh, taxes, there are taxes, there is the agent agent's fee. Uh, they have to live in a very, I would say, um, competitive environment in terms of uh, money. Yeah. So it's not that they are living the regular life of a human being, um, but, but still, these are good money to make. So oh, it's, yeah. um, for him, I think it's, uh, it's worthy. Um, so it's, um, it's a good deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. For the 55th pick to get a guaranteed contract for any length of time is great. You know, because he, you know, was probably going to be fighting for the G League. You know, he's on a two way contract. And, you know, to, and, you know, it's, it's, it'd probably be hard for him to get this opportunity to other teams. So it was, you know, good for him to, to take it. And hopefully things work out. I really like him as a player. I think as a defender, he's got a lot of tools. Offensively, he's got to prove himself as a three-point shooter. Yeah. And if he can do that, then you're talking a very like this is a very valuable player. So we'll, we'll yeah. find out. And I think that this is uh, I, I think I touched on this uh, on Thunder After Dark yesterday with John. Um, but I think that this is also something that OKC can spend over the years, like in terms of um, the if you are like a player that is not in the first round or even not in the early second round, I think that the agents will push towards OKC because, hey, those guys, uh, they will have a real um, plan for you. Uh, yeah. If you are good enough, then you can sign a two-way and then if they, they, they will get you minutes. They will give you minutes. You'll get in the court and you'll have the fair chance to prove yourself. So this is very important because for a team like OKC, where I mean access to talent is limited to a certain ways, yeah. uh, having the possibility to to try out good guys that are maybe not for some picks, um, but but they have still talent. This is I think very important going forward. Yeah, I mean the this is how the Sixers found Covington and TJ McConnell and guys like that. I mean guys who are still yeah. in the NBA today, playing roles for teams. You know, that's they were found because the Sixers just kind of cycled through some guys, and you know, the th- and and if you look at it, the Thunder aren't going to have a ton of opportunity to do that in the next you know few years because they're going to be bringing in like guaranteed yeah. spots for rookies. I mean, that's that's like the blessing and the curse of like having so many picks is that 
you're not going to have these spots to just cycle through upcoming. And that's, I guess that's why it's good to have your two-way slots because you, you always kind of have that there. But, you know, creating roster spots is going to get a little bit more tricky. You know, right now, there's even guys left on the roster that I think have potential to be waived before the end of the season, you know, where, yeah. they, where they could create another spot for somebody else. In the next two seasons, they may have too many guys that they are invested in to be able to to really do that. Sure. I also think that um, times are different now. Uh, I was thinking um, a while ago, like, remember how Scott Brooks used to handle the rotations? I mean, yeah. you had nine, ten guys, period. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that even in a competitive environment, had OKC being like a little bit more than what they are right now, um, I think that you can cycle through, especially in this pandemic time where like oh, everything is, I mean, um, but you can find space for like the last two men in their rotation, just mm-hmm. cycle through. And of course, it's not like Wiggins that he's having like uh, starting minutes in this, uh, this season. I also think that a lot will depend on how OKC will consolidate a few of their picks. Sure. I don't think that they will draft everyone. Uh, there are draft uh, years where they have like seven potential picks, which I mean, I'm, I, don't, I don't anticipate them to to use uh, on seven different players. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they, so, can, yeah, they I won't mean, be able to. <laughs> yes, but you're right. I mean, this year and probably the next are the years where, hey, we can take in guys and give them real opportunities. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe this is uh, how OKC will use G League and end of the uh, end of the bench roles. Yeah. I mean, like giving real opportunities to players. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... It's yeah. something that at some point you you have to you have to take a, a say an MO as a team and maybe this is what OKC will do. Yeah, and it, and it will depend on like what do they want to do with with Darius and what do they want to do with yeah. Lou and what do they want to do you know with the, some of these older guys. They're not going to keep everybody. Like they're just not no. Poku. Like they're not going to keep everybody. So you know may, maybe I'm overreacting a little bit, but I it'll just be interesting to see over the coming years with the roster crunch happening, you know, and this is another reason why it was so important they did that deal with the Heat, is that yeah. having another pick in the 20s coming in is not exactly helping you today. If, exactly. If, if that pick in the 20s, even if the pick is in the 20s in 2025 or 2026, yeah, it's, not it's not ideal, but remember what, I mean, the Thunder were using picks like that to fill out the rest of the roster, not yeah. with the player in the draft, but to go find somebody. You know, that's when sure. the Thunder can go get their Derek White or whoever to fill in on the wing or to fill in, a, go get a big man to fill in. Like you can use that pick then, it, even if it's going to be like, wow, like the Heat are one of the best, you know, 10 or 12 teams in the league. It's still, it still holds value. It's still a first round pick that can be used. You know, in a trade, and the upside there is there's still tr- tremendous upside there because it could be completely unprotected in 26, and you don't know what they're going to look like. So it's a, it's another reason why it was important because if you're getting that pick sooner, it's just going to be really hard to develop ten guys that you have oh, sure. a ton of resources sure. thrown at. 
And uh, like right now we are looking at the roster spot full of young players. Um, but suppose that we are in a different dimension and OKC drafts not Josh Giddy, but I don't know, Jen Green or, or even Kate. Um, and suppose that, again, we live in a very different universe and Ben Simmons really wants out and OKC is one of the places that he wants to, to be in. I mean, to have we are we are in crazy. some sort. We're not even on the same planet anymore. I no, think. I know, no, but it's it's just it's just to say, hey, there is a young player at the beginning of his extension that for some reason needs to be moved. Um, it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens sometimes. Uh, or he's a superstar that has a lot of years. Uh, maybe OKC is on a high side in terms of results. Hey, Chris Paul went to Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix is not OKC, but still, yeah. Uh, sometimes stuff like that happens. There will be and, another and then, Paul George, you know. Exactly. And in that moment, I mean, Dort, Basley, Pokushevsky, two first-round picks. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, maybe that is the trade that nets you Could like be. a superstar. And and there you go. I mean, three guys in a in a heartbeat and two picks for yeah. one guy. Mm-hmm. This five-to-one trade. I think that this is also um, a path that OKC may explore in the future i mean yeah it's not a guarantee that there will be a star that fits the the mold that fits everything that okc is building and is willing to say hey I'm, I'm going to be there for as long as my contract says and then we'll regroup at the end of it but i'm fully committed for the next three years mm-hmm. right so yeah. in these opportunities the more young players that are promising with picks you have the easier is to to do trades because let's be honest, not everyone is fine is a, fa- a fan of uh, just first round picks, yeah. especially if those are not like tangible somehow. If they are just there and maybe maybe you maybe they they are good, maybe they are bad. If you have like a Dort, this is value. Like you can see, you can touch it. Yep. So it's um, I think that having both is going to help. Without it, without a doubt. And it helps. It does help that Darius has been good lately, you know. Yes. Yeah. Not only for the team, but perhaps in future trade too. Like he's a guy that's like, oh, you know. I mean, you look at the deal that this is way back. The deal that got the Celtics Kevin Garnett. It was just like a bunch of young guys, you know, and some picks to get Kevin mm-hmm. to Boston, and just like a bunch of potential. You know, Al Jefferson was probably like the the best player of that, and didn't have a great career after that but you know it's the thunder have some al jefferson like players you know coming I mean, like oladipo that, and domas i mean you, you mentioned it before oladipo and domas like yeah yeah i mean i don't know i mean i guess dort would be on the same level as maybe oladipo was at the time but oladipo hit heights that you know it's gonna be really tough for lou to hit um, yeah, but Giddy plus Dort is not very different from Domas plus Oladipo. That is true. That is true. But also, we're not implying that they would do a deal like that either. Oh, no, no, no. no. But but just to mention, like, yeah. um, it's not that OKC is not in a position to put two very good young players that's in a, picks that's a better to get a super than Domas. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, currently. It, it, could, it could end up being that Domas is better because, like, Domus did not have a good rookie season with OKC. And yeah, but this is what you're like selling. 
you're not selling on, on, on All-Star Domas. You're selling on, hey, this is a promising rookie that mm-hmm. no one likes because they are not paying attention and just looking through stats. Um, but, hey. yeah. I mean, see, we all hate Sacramento. We all do. But they finally <laughs> made it right in, in, in getting uh, a good guy. Uh, hey, right. Very controversial opinion. Um, this year, like, Everyone is killing me, so let's add to the cause and give Twitter another weapon to um, to kill me in the future. I think that unless Tyrese really blossoms into a great all star, yeah. not just a not just a normal one, Bendy straight is just a draw. I I really don't see it as, hey, wow. Indiana made a great trade and Sacramento did horribly wrong. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's not to right. me, Tyrese is a very interesting prospect. Yeah. Very. Yeah. I really love uh, love him as a draft prospect. Mm-hmm. You know that. Um, but Thomas is great. And <laughs> I mean, they, I don't think that this team, this trade will change the, the course of these two franchises. I just think that they are mediocre mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And most likely, I mean worse than mediocre. if they stay like this, yeah. they will be mediocre in the future. <laughs> you mean to tell me that they that two mediocre teams traded players and they're still mediocre? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they they basically shuffle the deck a little bit. Yeah. And and that's it. The the only the only thing to me is that the starting point of Halliburton is just a little bit easier to build around than a starting point of Domas. That's it. True. So to me, that's the only real, that's the only thing, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, Domas has been good, really good for them so far and has given them some juice that they haven't had in a while. And, you know, they'll have a shot to make the play in and awesome. You know, that's, that's about all they can ask for at this point. Uh, okay, let's take a look at some stats. The Thunder currently sit at 27th in net rating in, in the league. They're ninth in defense, which is just so funny. 30th in offense. They are just by far the worst offensive team in the league. There's not really there's not really any redeemable metrics out there. You know, I tried to dig through like passing stats and all the shooting stats are bad and the ball movement stats are bad. You know, the only thing the Thunder are, are like leading the league in is like drives per game and, you know, like. What about open three pointers? What about them? Do you, do you have to, um, I mean, I'll, I'll have to, to check, but I think that they are pretty high uh, for two reasons. A, they are g- good at generating those. B, no one cares if they shoot a uh, triple. So. Oh, you mean just the volume of them? Yeah, yeah, the volume, yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that 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 is a... <laughs> it's easy to generate open threes when no one guards the perimeter. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, no, that, that is clearly a point. <laughs> they lead the league in drives and the teams pack the paint because of it because they know that like <laughs> Lou likes to get downhill, Shea likes to get downhill, Giddy likes to Oops. get downhill. And they can spray out to the perimeter and no one's scared of any of them. You know, especially with the way that Shea is shooting this season. Like nobody's afraid yep. of any of them. So generating yeah, open fact- shots, sure. 
But is that a product of the Thunder offense or is that a product of the opposing defense? Both. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I mean, this is, again, really picking on very limited amount of games. Yeah. But it is clear to me that when they have the trade going, they can reach for stretches like very high levels of efficiency in terms of like being able to generate good offense. Yeah. And and that is the part that makes me think, hey, they need they really need a good shooter. They really need Shade to be a little bit better. Um, but if they, I mean, men, I think, will be more consistent in the future. It's hopefully so. He's been it's not, wildly no, inconsistent. No, I, like, I have no doubts. Yeah. It's it's a strength slash conditioning slash the NBA season is a mess mm. in trying to do your body kind of thing. Yeah. I, I see his shot and he's always the same. That shot will go in to what degree? I don't know, but he will be uh, 36, 38 uh, percent shooter next year. Um, I really think so. And with, with good volume. I mean, we've seen if the, as soon as Muscala is on the court, that that offense is yes is producing. Yeah, because you get downhill <laughs> and you have some decent ball movers to great ball movers on the perimeter. Yeah. You know, there's there's the potential there. There's there's the potential there. They really are setting up like the foundation of what they want this team to be. Yeah. And Mark is doing a really good job. Like he's very very intentional about it. And defensively, the foundation is being set. Offensively, it is as well. Uh, the the pieces aren't there for either, honestly. And defensively, they're making. They're, they're, you know, in the top half of the league, in the top 10 of the league because everybody's bought in. Yeah. They don't have a rim protector. I mean, I know that yeah. basically is blocking shots, but it's not the same. I mean, he can, he can bother guys one-on-one. This is not like really being a rim protector. I mean, they are not using him as, hey, drop. And yeah, just right. let's like allow the, the defense to say, hey, this is our rim protector. Just funnel guys towards him and, and we're good to go. No, they are not using that strategy. They are really moving, rotating, switching, and, and do a lot of stuff. And and they are incredible at that. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Man, who is probably the weakest link on the recent starting units, he's doing switches and moving and like repositioning. They are using him as... Um, sometimes he plays himself outside of the uh, restricted area just in the exact spot where the penetration will come like stuff like that means that they are they are really putting an emphasis on that in in their training sessions like mm-hmm. it's it's visible the the improvement that they made defensively in terms of chemistry communication and the lapses that they have are, are really limited i mean a young team if you look at Houston two passes boom they're dead mm-hmm. like this team two passes like chances are that you have that you are in a war spot in than the first uh, than when the first pass happened. So mm-hmm. um it's I mean Dignolo is coaching them too well <laughs> defensively. This is he's doing a this great is job. The, yeah. The truth. yeah, he's done a great job. Uh let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna play a play a little stat game. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back after that quick break. In the last five games, there are three players that have taken exactly 16 threes. One of them made eight, one of them made three, and the other made four. Tell me who made who made eight, who made three, and who made four. The one that made eight is Alexei Pokushevsky. The one yes. that made three is three men. The one that made four is... Damn, I don't know. <laughs> You're, Four out of 16. You're uh, right no, about the first one. You're wrong about the second one. Then it's three men that made four. It's Kenrich that made three. Oh. And Josh has made four. Uh, oh, Josh. How much is uh, three men? Trey. Probably shot more than 16. Yeah, he's taken more than 16. I just thought it was but the interesting. Percent- that- yeah, the percentage will be around that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's it's been a rough go for a lot of guys from three, except for Poku, since he's come back. Poku's, yeah. Poku's been good, and shh, don't say that. The efficiency stuff. You know what? He has taken himself out of the bottom of the barrel as far as shooters go. Like he is out of the Killian Hayes zone. He's, <laughs> Killian Hayes. It is. It is. It is real. So he's shooting sixty-one percent from the field and 50% from three since coming back from the G League. Yeah, it's unsustainable. It's completely unsustainable. However, it has pulled him out of the out of the haze zone. And it it is he looks like a different player, really. And I don't know how he will continue to play the rest of the season. But he's taking good shots. He is mm-hmm. staying active on the defensive end. He's blocked a ton of shots since he's come yeah. back to and is just getting himself involved. Like, he just is more involved. He's more willing to grab the ball off the rim and push it. He just looks more aggressive. I mean, it's just funny. He just looks like he's in the game, if that makes sense. Like, he's he's into it. Exactly right. There were were parts of his season where it was like, oh, no. Like, where where is he? Like, what is he doing? He's just... He'll like when when he gets the ball, like the, the the switch is turned on, and then he goes and does his thing, and then when he doesn't have the ball, like the switch is off, and it's like what, like where is he? But he's he's played cons- pretty consistently since he's come back, which has been very encouraging. Yeah, I wonder if this is also a byproduct of the fact that when James got out of the court, a lot of the two men game combinations are not there. I mean, it's not that they have. Uh, a go-to tandem that does always the same thing, and if they do it, it most likely work. Yeah. Um, so, 
I wonder if this is forcing guys like Pokushevsky being way more active and way more involved in the in the offensive side of the ball, which is always that we always said about Shea, that the offense works with Shea, but he's working because of Shea and sometimes it's not involving other guys mm. um, as much. I mean, this is why I think Curry and Jokic are really transcendent players oh, yeah. in terms of uh, their team impact is because yes the ball that the, the entire team gravitates around them it's clear that they they are the engine but they are not like they basically make every other guy work and function yeah around them mm-hmm. and i think that this is the level that shay needs to reach mm-hmm. in order to be a super duper all-star in a way that works with the philosophy that Dignal has for this team. Mm-hmm. And and I'm sure that he will get there because he's smart and he's already like adding stuff to his game. Yeah. So maybe he will not get there next year, but maybe in two years. So back to Pokushevsky, um, I really love the units with him and Baisley as the four and five. I don't care about like, yes, you cannot go with that against Embiid. Who cares? I mean, Embiid, Jokic, yes. Anthony Davis, hey, it's not that Anthony Davis will run 25 post-ups against Baisley. And if he does, awesome. I mean, to me, like, are you really playing 25 uh, post-up possessions? Do it. I mean, be my guest. I mean, if this is, you will score, sure. Yeah. Um, but to me, like, that unit really works because you have these two weird, long ball handlers slash blockers that... Um, that can switch yeah. and can protect the, the paint somehow. So I really love that. And I think that this is, um, these are lineups that were nowhere to be seen at the beginning and then slowly they're using them way more. And I really like it. Yeah, it was it was really working against the Bulls in the first half too. Yeah. And even in the second half, some like they were, it was it was impressive to see them hang with that team. Because yeah, the Bulls are missing a lot of guys. We have the Thunder are missing a lot of guys too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Vucevic said as much at the end. Yeah, yeah, we miss the guys, but hey, <laughs> they're missing key guys too. So no excuse here, and we yeah. just had to to play better in the second half. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Was fun, you know. D- Darius has has really played well, and a little bit of the same stuff that I talked about with Poku, where he would just kind of float around for periods of the game. Like I haven't seen Darius do that in a long time. And he's, he's continued to stay engaged. He talked post game and gave some really just kind of fascinating answers. Um, He was really discontent, you know, like that's the, the mood that he had when he sat down to talk to us was that he was completely discontent with how he played, with how the team played, with the result. Um, he was extremely discontent. And you know, kind of how these press conferences go is that typically, and it's not always true, but typically it's Nick Gallo or, or Paris asking a question first. And it's usually usually has some kind of positive spin or it usually has some sort of like overarching thoughts about the game. Yeah. And... You know, Nick was trying to highlight a really good portion of the game for the Thunder. Mm-hmm. And Darius just like would not having any of it and was extremely upset. And you can go see these on my Twitter profile. If you don't follow me, you can follow me at Andrew K. Schlecht. 
and go see. Uh, I, I posted two of them. And then the post game, we were asking, I, I asked Mark about just Darius and like, how did he get here? Like, how did he, you know, what's, what's been the path outside of like, don't, don't tell me about the reps. Like, I know he's going to say reps. Like, of course, like he's young yeah. and he's gotten a lot of reps that helps. But like, what else is it that has made Darius a better player? And he talked about how he is a perfectionist. He talked about how he just, he's a guy that he would bet on. He said that he's a guy that I would just continue to bet on. And, you know, we asked, Joe asked Baisley after the game about being a perfectionist. And he kind of spoke on that, how it's a blessing and a curse and how, a lot of times he doesn't even let himself think about the good that he does in games because he's like trying to, you know, take out the bad stuff. And he's begun to even recognize all the stuff that we talked about, you know, during this season, which has been like shot selection and what he's doing with the ball. I mean, he's told us that he wants to simplify his offensive game. He, you know, he's, he's saying all the right stuff. And he's really started to be kind of a quote machine, which has been a really interesting Yeah, and process. doing the right stuff. I mean, one of the things that I really noticed mm-hmm. was his drives at the beginning of the season where, hey, if I'm going like too wild, then I throw an even wilder pass yeah. just to see if I can get the ball somewhere. And then like slowly you, you, like, you started seeing these intentional passes on the second step. Like, this is not, hey, I'm in trouble. It's now, hey, the defense is reacting. Let's see who's open. Yeah. I mean, Ibaka, I remember, like, where he could just do one dribble, looking oh, towards man. the left, and then boom, corner. Yeah. Like, and it was just a miracle. <laughs> because, it's hey, it's not, he could, he's not shooting it. Yeah, he's passing. Like, can he do something? Yeah. Yeah, and basically he's doing that in the in completely in the fall of the game. Yeah. Like watches with the peripheral vision, man who's moving and boom, the ball is uh, is there. So those stuff to me and um, I remember that you told me that he's talking on the um, on the defensive side of the court like since like a couple of months probably. Mm-hmm. But those things to me are clear tell that he is going in the right direction. Will he succeed? Who knows? Like the NBA is tough, uh, so you never know what's what's ahead. It may be a regression because something doesn't work the way he wants. He may be like an explosion. Who knows? But to me, the process is is good, and um, and so we'll, it's good to watch. It's really good to watch because you can see really a player that is maturing in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, it's been fun to see, and you know, part of you think part of it's. I mean, he's right. It's a blessing and a curse, and it's like it's good and bad that he feels that way. Mm-hmm. Like it, you just don't want it to eat his confidence, you know, because yeah. it does seem to eat his confidence away, which is not what you want. Like that's yeah. where it is not good. Like being like being a perfectionist is like it's it can be helpful in some ways, but it can be like detrimental in other ways. So I. Yeah. I kind of struggle with how to take some of his quotes, honestly. Like you want to be like excited about it, but like, like what he said was like very vulnerable and like very human, you know. And it's yeah. not 
something that you can say like here is the reason why he's going to be so successful or here's the reason why he's going to fail it's just like man like he just he's been very vulnerable and shown us like who he really is which has been just kind of fascinating to watch honestly and he's been really really good um so yeah it's just kind of wild uh Michele, i was looking at just shots in the restricted area uh-huh. one i just was curious to see where lou is and how how he's doing this season in the restricted area specifically um i want you to tell me i'm gonna name a player Tell me if Lou is shooting better or worse than this player in the restricted area. Oh boy, I'm not good at this. Shea Gellers Alexander, better or worse than Lou Dort in the restricted area? Two, three weeks ago, I would have said for certainty that Shea was better. Um, Over the last three weeks, though, Lou started on like crawling back, but I would say that Shea is better. Shea is better. Good. Good job. <laughs> uh, Trey Mann, better or worse in the restricted area than Lou Dort? Uh, he was better, but over the last six games, he cratered. So I would say worse. He's absolutely worse. That's two. Darius Baisley, better or worse in the restricted area than Lou Dort? Oh, Over the past 20 games, better for the season, probably worse. For the season, he is worse. Three for three. Alexei Pokashevsky, better or worse? worse. He is. I know that this is a tricky question. Damn. He is. Damn. He is not only better, he is eight percentage points better. So he's shooting like 64%? He is shooting right now. Ludort's fifty four point seven percent in the restricted area. Okay, not great. Yeah, Alexei Pokashevsky on the season sixty two point seven percent. How many attempts? Like twenty. Fifteen or for fifty nine for Poku. Fifty nine. Yeah, it's not nothing. It's not nothing. Why I didn't? I didn't think. Too too quick. Uh, Aaron Wiggins better or worse in the restricted area? Oh, come on. You're going to ask me, everyone. Um, Wiggins is better. Wiggins is better. Wiggins is 64.5% in the restricted yeah, good area. Very He's good. a good cutter, like opportunistic, smart cutter. But also a uh, good finisher. I mean, he yeah. he's not just a straight line drive. Um, he, he can be a little fancy. Yeah. There. Uh, Josh Giddy, better or worse than Lugo in the restricted area? Damn, this is hard. <laughs> this is really hard. <laughs> He's probably shooting either 52.5% or 56%. One of the two. Okay. I lean 56%. You would be correct. It's 57.5%. Ah, okay. You're very good, close. Good. Very good. 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 That's, that is That kind of freaks me out, to be honest. Uh, Teo Maladone, better or worse in restricted area than Lou Dort? Is this, a, I mean, to me, I don't know. Don't How overthink it. Don't overthink it. 22 attempts. No, then it's that 22, though. It's 22. 22. Did he make 13 or not? 
<laughs> yes, he made 13. He's better. Oh, he's, come on. How many? He Ten? made eight. He's 36%. Oh. <laughs> It's so sad. It is real sad. Real. Like, come on, thirteen out of thirty-two. Can he make that? <laughs> it is really bad, man. Really bad. Uh, uh, okay, let's move on to. Can, we, can you want to? Can we keep playing this? Is this okay? Yeah, sure. Corner threes. This will, we'll just do. Oh, we'll just do two categories. Nice. Corner threes. Is okay. So we're gonna do better or worse than Lou Dort from the corners. Yeah. Okay. Darius, He's quite good. Darius Baisley, better or worse in the corners than Lou Dort? Ah, worse. He's worse. 34.7% for Darius Baisley. Uh, Kendrick Williams, better or worse than Lou Slightly Dort? worse. He is actually quite a bit worse than, than Lou Dort. Almost 9%, don't almost tell me the 9%, percent, don't almost tell 9 the percent worse. Oh, I see. Then he's shooting 33%. He's shooting 35%. Oh, okay. I thought Lou was at 42, but he's better. Aaron Wiggins from the corners. Now worse. He is worse. Very good. Uh, Trey Mann, better or worse? Better. He's actually worse. No, no, but he's, just, he's over 40. It's Yeah, they're both over 40 from the corners. There's... Okay. There are three players shooting better than 40% from the corners on the team. The other one is Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala is actually... Is Alexander. Oh, come on. Don't overthink it. Am I missing someone? Muscala is only 34.5% from the corners. Really? Mm -hmm. 10 out of 29. Oh. Isn't that weird? It's it is little, weird. That's a little weird. It um, means that he's shooting like above 50 from top of the key. I mean, he's, yeah. Or 48, something like that. Above the break, 44.8 for Mike on 134 attempts. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Uh, wow. Insane. That's awesome. Uh, Ty Jerome is the other one. Shooting forty-one point nine percent from the corner. Ty is so uninspiring. So Lou Dort is the best of the team from from the corners. He's forty-three point three percent from the corners. It's twenty-six yeah. of sixty. Uh, Isaiah Roby is shooting five of seven from three, and then Gabriel yeah, Beck was two of two. So, yeah, but Trey Man, like after Dallas, he was shooting better. Yeah. Oh, he had really a cold stretch from, from even from the corners. He did, he did. Um, yeah. Another encouraging stat for our guy Poku: thirty-seven percent from the corners this season. That's sweet, and he's yeah. making himself available mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. He is intentionally. I like yep. that. Yeah, it's it is quite encouraging, quite encouraging. Um, for guys that have taken volume, this is and this is where the Thunder's three point percentage just takes just a gut punch from above the break. Lou Dort's thirty one and a half percent from above the break. Lou Dort's taken three hundred and thirty threes from above the break. By the way, yeah, that's like a if lot. If you remove, 
Yeah, if you remove like the wing trees, I think it's shooting 38 or more. Yeah. Just take like the, 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 the one at the center and then the corners. I think it's about 40 in, in those three zones and very bad from the, the wings. Lou is taking the 12th most threes from above the break this season in the NBA. Listen to the list That's of crazy. players that he's taken more above the break threes than. Some of these are going to blow your mind. De- he's taken more than D'Angelo Russell. He's taken more than yeah. Luka Doncic. He's taken more than LaMelo Ball, Devin Booker, LeBron James, James Harden. That's crazy. Isn't that wild? <laughs> yeah, and that's probably... This is why it's so hard to... This, this, is, to, this, is, this is like the... This is almost like one of the reasons why I hold on and to, to him. Because... We look at the corner shots and it's like, wow, hmm, like that's very encouraging. And then you look at the shots, the 330 above the break threes that you're just like, that's not yours. Like ideally, but, but that's is not it? yours. But is it? That is my point. This is my entire, and I don't want to go back on my right at all on being like bad on Dort or anything, but it's hard to change the way you play, change the way in which you are aggressive on offense. Yeah. I just think things have, if, if they brought in, I don't know if Paolo Boncaro came onto this team, like you, you just have to occupy different spaces on the court when an, yeah, when, possibly. An, when an offensive player comes onto the, like a real offensive player comes onto the court with Josh and with Shea. You mean he has to sit on the bench? That is the space of the... He can go to the corner, bro. <laughs> and shoot 38% from the corner and then shoot 35% on the year. And it's like, wow. Like, Lou's a really good player. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Lou is a good player. That's, that's, you- that's, that's part of like why I haven't wavered a whole lot because there are parts of me that watch him this season and think and it hasn't been lately he's been good lately it's you watch him and you think like i don't is this gonna work but i just wonder if he is required by the talent on the court to shift his role down and maybe maybe he can't maybe he's not able to do that And, and that's that could be a huge sticking point but if he's able to shift down where it's like hey you're the fourth or fifth option now then perhaps he's a more useful player in that. The question to me is, are you paying him like a fourth or fifth option? That is the key of all my discussions from the beginning. And that is to me is the the sticking point. Because up to now, he's not passing on trees. He can pass to other guys that are wide open. Uh, He's taking them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And that's fine this year. And it's fine because maybe next year he'll be a guy that takes 12 threes and makes six, five as an average. Mm-hmm. If he's that guy, then hey, take 12 threes. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, at I least mean, you're finding out a little bit more. I mean, you're getting a lot of data on Lou Dort this year. I mean, if you're the Thunder, yeah. I think that you have to be pleased with what you're seeing mm-hmm. from him. If if only for the reason that you're collecting just a crap ton of Lou Dort data. 
And you do get to take it to him and his agent and say, hey, listen, we've been doing this for a long time. And we have built championship contenders. And the shot profile of Lou, when he's shifted into this role, like this is the amount that these kind of players make. And this is the role that he's been taking on. And he's not efficient enough to do this. I just wonder if, if I, don't, I don't know how they do it, honestly. I don't know how they do it. I don't know what the strategy looks like. But don't, I, you, don't you think that there is a team out there that looks at Dort and says, hey, I, I'm willing to pay him 22 million per year. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. You know. Hmm? There are teams, you know. I mean, there are teams that will pay for a young player that is, uh, is able to guard the best defense, offensive player on the other side and make 30. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess who needs a combo guard? I mean, if he were four inches taller, it wouldn't matter. He'd get paid that much anyways, you know? Yeah, but think about him in Detroit. With Cade. Yeah, I don't know that I want... And Jabari Smith. Well, that's that, and that's the difference maker. <laughs> I know, I know. That's I know. the difference maker because if the Thunder got Jabari Smith, then I'm just I'm fine with trying to see if everything is unlocked with a shooter like that. Yeah, you know, if the Thunder are the ones we'll with Jabari Smith, Smith, and Detroit's the one with, I don't know, Jay Nivey, then it's a different like the every the the draft shapes everything for both of those franchises. Yeah, I know. Like I would love to have Lou locked up before the draft on a very reasonable team-friendly be, contract that like, starts at I'd 18 like, and goes down. I'd like to lock him up in a month. Yeah. You know? Not going to happen at 12. I hope it does. I hope it happens. You, you <laughs> saw Detroit is linked to Brunson, though, this summer. Yeah. Like, that's that's a team that wants Jalen Brunson. I don't know that yeah, I like that with Cade. Watching no a small guard with Cade. I like Brunson a lot. He's awesome. He's super fun. But he's not really a good, good defender. Not a great defender like Dort. He's an okay defender. Yeah. I mean, you may be onto something there. But, yeah. I'm, I'm a Dort, Dort supporter here. I like Lou. No, me too. At the reasonable number. Yeah. With a reasonable role. Yeah. Which may be superstar. Who knows? <laughs> Wouldn't that be the best? Um, especially with our intro, it would just be great if Lou was like the the one leading this team to the uh, <laughs> to the championship. It'd just be our intro forever. Uh, the upcoming schedule for the Thunder: the Thunder play tonight at Madison Square Garden against the New York Knicks. Our guy Lou Dort is out. Oh, great! Uh, it was kind of the Thunder's move to uh, the RJ Barrett sitting. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, then they play. Wednesday against San Antonio, the last game before the All-Star break. And then the Thunder gets some time off. Everybody does. Except for Josh. Josh is going to be at the Rising Stars Challenge, which should be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they come back from the All-Star break, and they have kind of an important stretch that will shape the tank race pretty significantly. Um, lucky for them, Domas is in Sacramento. That's the team they play. They, so they come back. First game is Thursday at home, February 24th against Phoenix. And then they play second out of a back-to-back, which is helpful <laughs> for OKC. It's 
Friday at Indiana is a pretty important one, as Indy is pretty close to the Thunder in the Tank race. And then Sacramento. So, like, those two, on February 28th on a Monday um, in OKC, they play Sacramento. So that's it's kind of an important game. And then they have, like, a stretch of games where it's going to be tough. Denver, Minnesota, Utah, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Memphis. Fantastic. Like, that's going to be a really tough stretch. And then they have this kind of kind of long stretch of games where they're just they're sprinkled in some winnable games. Wednesday, March 16th against San Antonio, winnable. Then they got Miami, and then they have play Orlando. This is all on the road. Um, then they come home for Boston, and then Orlando's here. <laughs> so they get Orlando twice. Orlando is one of the more hapless teams in the league. And it'd be great if the Thunder could split those. Uh, and then they play Portland two more times. March 28th in Portland. And then April 5th in OKC. Those will be very important games. Extremely important. Luckily for the Thunder, though, the Blazers have won some games here. <laughs> I don't know how they've done it. They're four and six in their last ten, which feels miraculous. That's fantastic. <laughs> With what they've looked like. Um, oh, wait. No, no, no. That's New Orleans. Why am I reading New Orleans instead of them? Um, Portland is three and seven in their last ten. That's my bad. Four and six is New Orleans. Yeah, but still um, good. I wonder what happens in Houston. Houston's another interesting one, man. Houston, <laughs> Rafael Stone did a press conference after the trade deadline saying that they want to keep Dennis Schroeder. Yeah. And they like the kind of player he is. Sure. I am like, I. when was the, was the last time that he watched him in Oklahoma City? Because Dennis <laughs> Schroeder hasn't been a good player since he left OKC. I has not no been a helpful idea. player. I have no idea. I mean, he will be a helpful player to a. I, th- I think that he would help them win some games. Maybe like he's he elated Gordon, because he thinks that he's so bad. Maybe he's maybe it's help, uh, stealth tank move to keep Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, yeah Schroeder. The problem is like Schroeder and Gordon and Christian Wood might overall help your tank, but down the stretch, those guys are going to will them will that team to some wins. It depends. Eric Gordon's no... been I been legitimately helpful. I just can't believe they didn't trade him. It makes the it makes the three game winning streak even more frustrating to me. Hmm. Because there's like real opportunity there. And you know, perhaps the Thunder are gonna get healthy and they're gonna win games down the stretch anyways. And they're not gonna have the shot at three and perhaps may even end up at five because Indy's Indy is like another one that is a, a real threat to OKC. Oh, yeah. Like right now, the Portland Trailblazers are five and a half games back of the tank race of OKC. That is good. Which is like, it's a it's a good enough cushion. You still need to at least split the last two games that you have with the Blazers. Mm-hmm. But it's a good enough cushion. They're only one game up on Indy. Dude, uh, Bitazi slash Brise slash whoever. Indiana team. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's the one that I think is probably the most scary at this point. I do like what they did at the deadline. Maybe they will. They're, they are supposed to get Miles Turner back sometime in March. 
which will help. So maybe, 2023. May, yeah, maybe if they get miles, things will change a little bit. But that's another one that that's scary because the Thunder. I mean, the Thunder are probably going to get Shea back, probably. Yeah. Uh, all right. Before we go, I just wanted to throw out there: the Thunder did not make a deal at the trade deadline to bring in significant money. Everybody kind of has jumped to conclusion that the Thunder, all the players are going to get paid. I just wouldn't count those eggs quite yet. It's just all I have to say. And there, there are ways to maneuver things before the season ends to at least take a big chunk of that money away. And yeah. I'm curious I mean, we to all see know if that they'll do it. Yeah, like Europe is away. Um, I mean... The, the season doesn't end in the same timeline as the NBA one. It it's goes longer. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's probably uh, two weeks after where most of the regular season are done. Uh, in normal mm-hmm. years, like end of April, then playoffs starts in May. Um, but you may see guys um, at the end of or right there where the, the NBA season is ending. Uh, maybe the teams keep some payment. Maybe, um, I mean, there are multiple teams in Europe. Uh, I remember when I was following the Italian Second League, like you could hear in March, this team is not paying the players, and boom, they lose five, six, ten in a row because the American players, which are by far the best, they're just not playing anymore. Mm-hmm. So you can maybe have an opportunity or two to bring someone over just to train with the team, maybe maybe even not playing, like maybe playing one, two regular season games, and that's it. Yeah. Um, just watch out for a Gabriel deck type of transaction exactly. happening yeah. in the next, you know, couple months. Like just just be aware that those type of things could happen. And I don't know that Mitchich would come, but also don't. I, I mean, I'm, I'm putting it like a three percent chance of happening. Mm-hmm. But it's at least something to keep your eye on. One of the reasons why it's interesting is that, and we're gonna we're almost done, McKelly. I'm sorry. Ephes um, <laughs> is not playing well. They are uh, yeah. they're 500. They're ninth in the Euro League. This is not where they expected to be. You know, does they have the yeah. reigning MVP? Mitchich is the reigning MVP. This is not where they expected to be. Financially, they could use some help too. And so you wonder if for all parties it would make some sense if OKC called and said, hey, we're willing to pay a massive buyout for Mitchich and bring him over for a massive payout now. Yeah. Non-guarantee things for next year. See how he likes it. And then decide. And then decide this summer if he wants to stay. Yeah, I mean... He would have to maybe, leave during the may- season. I don't know if he'd be willing... I've, I've talked to some people that, that think that he's not willing to leave during the season. Um which is probably right, but it's just yeah. something to consider. Yeah, and again, um, the Turkish situation is one of the most interesting um, from a financial standpoint. Yeah. Um, the government is putting devaluation in the mo- on the currency there. So, like, teams are struggling to pay in U.S. dollars. I mean, if you pay in the regular um, money, uh, the Turkish lira, I think, then it's fine. But you're not paying Mitic with Turkish lira, I promise you. Uh, those are US dollars uh, salaries for most of the, or euro 
salaries, uh, which is basically the same um, nowadays. So it's um, it's not easy for Turkish teams. And again, uh, this is another example when the team is struggling financially, or when the the company are working for skip the payments yeah. or skip like um, or doesn't give you the raise that they promised you or whatever the bonus uh, that you had uh, in the contract then your proficiency at work changes yeah. and so yeah. it's for it's the same for basketball players <laughs> they are normal uh, human beings um, that likes their checks to be paid in time yeah yeah so just something to think about something to watch for i'd be very surprised if there was not something done whether that means that they find a buyout for Derek favors and then fill that slot with somebody, whether they cut Isaiah Roby or Maladon or somebody else. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened and they try somebody else out. It doesn't have to be Mitchich. It could be somebody else. You know, yeah. Deck was one that was unpredictable, and there may be another one that's completely unpredictable coming this way again. But I would not count on the Thunder players getting all of that money. I just would not. So, all right. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. Go follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. Follow me on Twitter, Andrew K. Schlecht. Go leave us an Apple Star five-star review. Apple Star? What did I say? Apple Podcast five-star review? I don't know what I just said. <laughs> Apple Podcast five-star review. We will read it on the show on Friday. Please do that. Hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.